Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, I wanna take a second and just thank everybody who's watching online and who's in overflow. Come on, church, can y'all put your hands together for those joining us today. And if you didn't hear and you're watching this in overflow, uh, in two weeks on August the 20th, we got a new home. We're gonna be meeting at Gallatin High School. Come on, anybody thankful for an opportunity, not just to get more seats, but to reach more people, amen? So glad you're here. If I haven't met you, my name is Cody Woodard. I'm the pastor here and excited uh, that you're in the house. So you're watching from your house. So you're watching from our lobby. We're in week five, the fifth installment of a series called Change Your World. And I wanna go to Exodus chapter three. And I just wanna give you a little appetizer. Y'all come ready to eat today? Let me give you a little appetizer. You're gonna have to stand for just a second. Exodus chapter three, verse seven through 10. This ain't even the main scripture. It's just, it's an appetizer to get you warmed up. So Exodus three, starting in verse seven. God is talking to a man named Moses. I figured if we're gonna talk about having great faith, Moses would be appropriate. And um, God is talking to Moses when he's 80 years old. And I just figured, why not learn what it took Moses 80 years to learn? Why not just learn that today? Amen, somebody? We don't gotta wait 80 years. And so he's talking to Moses and he shows up in the form of a burning bush. And this bush is on fire, not being consumed. And God speaks to him and says, Moses, I got an assignment for you. I want you to go and set my people free. Verse seven, the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. I want somebody to know today, God is concerned about what you're going through. God cares about what you're going through. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Come on, aren't you thankful that God doesn't just have compassion on you from heaven, but that he would come to earth and he would set you free because he cares for you, amen? Put them in a land full of milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Thank God it's not in the land of the cellulites, amen, somebody? <laughs> Verse nine, and the, now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, God said, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God is going, Moses, I'm sending you. Who, me? Yeah, you, Moses, I'm, I'm sending you to go and to set my people free. And if they wonder who I am, just say the I am who I am has sent you. But God says, but, but I know, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand, say mighty hand, a mighty hand compels them. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. Whew, if you receive that by faith, and he will let you go. I came to tell somebody who feels stuck today, who feels like an enemy's got a hold of them, and no matter how hard they try, no matter what you try to do, you cannot get free. The enemy's convincing you that he's stronger than you. But I got good news. If you got a Pharaoh today, you may have a Pharaoh, but you got a father that's got a stronger arm. You got a father who's got a mighty hand. Come on, why don't you high five three people and say God's hand is on you? Come on, high five three people, say God's hand is on you. God's hand is on you. 
So yeah, you may have a Pharaoh with a mighty hand, but you got a God who's mightier than it. Whew, I'm ready to preach today. Okay, okay, okay. Now that was the appetizer. Y'all ready for the main meal? I just had to get that out of my system, encourage somebody today. So Exodus chapter four, Moses answers God and says this, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Why did he run from it? Because he ain't stupid, he ran from it. <laughs> but then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. And he said this, somebody say this. Yes. Come on, somebody say this. Yes. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then Moses replies and he says, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, somebody say go, and I'm gonna help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Teach you what to say. So today, if something you feel like has got a hold of you, and the enemy's convinced you he's not letting you go. God's hand is on you. But there's also some people in your life that you see and they're not set free yet. So let's open up both hands and help me announce my sermon title, Say It's In Your Hands. Come on, say it's in your hands. Say it's in your hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it's in your hands. We thank you for having compassion and being so concerned that not only did you lift your voice, you stretched out your hand and you came to earth to rescue us from an enemy. And so today, God, we, we thank you, but we ask you now, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for the people in our life who haven't been set free yet? It's in your hands. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Hey, high five somebody and tell them God's hand is on you. God's hand is on you. Yeah. So God comes to Moses and gives him a, a pretty terrifying commission, doesn't he? He said, Moses, I'm gonna send you to go set an entire nation free. Has anybody ever had God ask them to do something that absolutely terrifies you? Just lift your hand. Every parent, you should have your hand lifted right now. Let's be honest, you have no idea what you are doing with that child. Right, like we've all had those moments, right, where God has spoken to us or called us or we felt an impression to do something. Maybe it was to start a business. Maybe it was to move to a new city. Maybe it was to start a church. Maybe it was to have kids, but you know, Despite how you look publicly, you know the real you. Like you know your insecurities. You know what you struggle with. Not the you on Instagram. 
the you off of Instagram. When God tells you to do something, a lot of times, if you're anything like me, you start to kind of question like, well, wait a second. Like, God, you don't really know. You don't really know if, if, if I can do that. I don't think I can. See, when God commanded Moses, this was 40 years after Moses had killed an Egyptian slave. And yet, though he was a murderer, God still said, I'm sending you. And Moses' response is, I think, a lot of our response. Exodus chapter four, verse one, Moses asked God a question after God gave the command. He said, what if? Somebody say, what if? I wonder how many dreams have died because of what if? I wonder how many things are laying dormant under the surface of your soul that are, are laying there not moving forward because of what if. I wonder how many nights you've fallen asleep and you've struggled all night long because of what if. I wonder how many mornings you woke up to the alarm clock of what if. Why? Because what if is the language of the enemy. Fear is the tactic. And it's not just what if, it's what if they. Somebody say they. He says, what if they don't believe or listen? What if they won't respond? What if they won't like me? What if they, what if they think I'm weird? What if they don't show up? What if they don't accept me? What if they unfriend me? What if they make fun of me? What if they stab me in the back? Has anybody else ever felt captive to what if they? I remember about, Two years ago, um, God told me that we wanted to make something a routine, a tradition in our church. Now, as you can probably see about our church in a traditional building, we're not that traditional. Hello, somebody. But there was a tradition I wanted to start at the front of every year and in the middle of every year, and that was 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so if, if you missed last week, um, we kicked off last Sunday night at 6 p.m. with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I challenged our church. I challenged everyone. Hey, why don't you get here on Monday through Friday at 6 a.m.? We're going to pray and take communion and, and all this stuff. And that sounds great. But what you probably don't know was that was after two years of disobedience from me. See, we, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting, just not how God told me to do it. Because when we started the church, we, we were like, I don't, I don't really know if they will, will do that. I don't really know if they will really show up. So we started off and we did a 21-day prayer guide of awakening and just asking God to awaken something. And then during COVID, we, we did dangerous prayers. And then we did beyond. And, and then we did, uh, we did enjoy your life. We, we've done this plenty of times and so many people have enjoyed it. But what you don't know is that's not what God told me to do. What God told me to do was to not only lead the church in a prayer guide, but to invite the church in to actually pray. But I found myself for the past two years asking that same question Moses asked and that many of us ask, what if they don't show? What if they think it's stupid? What if they think it's a cult? <laughs> what, if, what if we fail? What if this is done? What if nobody comes? And I just heard God tell me, what if is the language of the enemy? Even if is the language of the father. And so even if they don't show, you're still going to pray. Even if they don't worship, you're still going to worship. Even if nobody takes communion with you, I, the Holy Spirit, will take communion with you. 
And now I think, man, what if we would have never started doing this this past week? Because see, what happened this past week is at 6 a.m., five days a week, there were over 50 people up in this room praying and worshiping Jesus. There were people in this room touching every single seat that you're sitting on, praying over the seat that you would sit in. You didn't know it today, but you're the answer to somebody's prayer request. You're an answer. The answer to your prayer request might be sitting right next to you. We had a group of people who was coming in here and praying and fasting. And then on Friday, I did something I'm terrified to do. I gave other people the mic and said, why don't you share your testimony? Now, I know you're not a preacher, but that's a scary act of faith for me because people will say some crazy things. Amen, somebody? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, not planned. I don't know who's coming up. And I remember in that moment, God going, even if nobody comes up, you're being faithful. Because I also heard the voice of the enemy. What if nobody comes up? How awkward is this going to be? And do you know what I found out in my own wrestling? Is what if they wasn't really about your doubts? It was about my own. See, when Moses says, well, what if they don't listen? What if they don't believe? He wasn't doubting their faith. He was doubting his own. I wonder if we find ourselves asking those questions of what if, and we're projecting a lack of faith on other people, but really it's just a lack of faith in us. And so Moses asked this question to God, God, what, you're calling me, that's great, but what if they don't believe? What if they don't listen? What if they think I'm crazy? Do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm a failure? Do you know that I was a murderer? Do you know I can't talk? Do you know I got a stutter? Do you know you're just a guy from Gladeville, Tennessee that barely passed high school without cheating? Do you know you just got a PE degree and now you call yourself a preacher? God, do you know who I am? Do you, don't you know, God, that that I'm just the teacher of an elementary school? God, don't you know who I am? I'm I'm just a stay-at-home mom watching four crazy kids. I'm just a construction worker checking in and checking out. I'm just a desk worker from nine to five. God, do you know who I am? And he goes, yeah, I know who you are. But can I ask you a question? Do you know who I am? (laughs) Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who makes them to be able to see or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God says, you may know who you are, but let me tell you who I am because who I am shapes who you are. So you're not just anything. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a stay-at-home mom. You're not just a desk worker. You are a child of God who is loved and called and cared for and seen. God loved you so much. He went to a cross to die for you. That's who you are. Who am I? See, a lot of times we start out and we question our insecurity. God, who am I that you would send me? And God responds to Moses' question with a question. Don't you love when God does that? God, will you help me? And he looks back at you and says, do you want me to? Yes, God, I wouldn't be asking if I didn't. God's like, what if, what if they don't believe me? And I love God's response. He says, what's that in your hand? What's that in your hand? Someone say hand. He asked him, what's that in your hand, not in your head? See, some of you need to get out of your head today. 
Because that's not the question God asked you. God asked you what's in your hand, not in your head. Because in your head is insecurity. In your head is insufficiency. In your head is inadequacy. In your head is all of the things you're not good at and you can't do and you don't have. But God didn't ask you what's in your head. He asked you what's in your hand. It's time for some of us to get rid of our Moses mentality. How dare us look in the mirror at God's greatest possession and call it worthless? Some of you need to get a revelation today to stop having a Moses mentality and start looking at yourself the way God sees you. And so, yeah, you may have a stutter. Yeah, you may not be as qualified as everybody else, but aren't you thankful God, he actually qualifies the unqualified? Aren't you thankful that he doesn't just use people with a perfect resume to build a perfect kingdom, but he uses people like you and me with a jacked up, broken, messed up story and says, I know who you used to be, but this is who you are and this is who I'm making you to be. So what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. See, Moses did something here I think we struggle to do. God asked a question, what's in your hand? Find the neighbor and tell him, answer the question. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice, the one you don't like as much, say, answer the question. <laughs> if you're taking notes, write that down, answer the question. God looks at Moses and God looks at you today and he says, what's in your hand? So answer the question. I know what was in Moses' hand. It was a staff. I know what's in my hand. It's a microphone. But what's in yours? I don't know what's in your hand. Do you? What's in your hand? It, it, it may be a job that God's given you. It may be children God has blessed you with. It may be influence that other people would die to have. It may be wealth. It may be an amazing company. But God has placed something in your hand. And God today wants you to answer the question. Because when Moses answered it, he says, was the staff, it's the microphone. And God's going, that's not just a staff and that's just not a microphone. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of power if it's just sitting in your hands apart from me. But when I stretch my hand and I put my hand on that thing, that staff will part a Red Sea. That staff will set people free. That microphone will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. When you allow what's in your hand to be controlled by the hand of God, it's not just anything. It's something you're deeming small that God says is significant. So what's in your hand? Here's what I believe. That you have everything that you need to do everything he's made you to do. I know that you don't believe that. That's not pastor's opinion, that's scripture. Second Peter one says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Hey, single mom that feels inadequate right now, that's struggling right now, and you think what you need is another person, God has given you everything you need to, to raise that child for his glory in love, amen somebody? God has given you every single thing you need. What you need is within your reach. Say it's within my reach. What you need for this next season, it's within your reach. God has placed everything you gotta have right now. So today is the day you get rid of the Moses mentality and you rip up your list of what you don't have because if you allow your life to be determined by what's in your head, you'll overlook what God's put in your hand.
God has placed something in your hand. And Moses, it was a staff. It wasn't just any staff. See, when God looked at Moses and Moses said a staff, what Moses was actually looking at was his past. Because the only way God, the only way Moses got that staff in his hand was because 40 years earlier, he, he saw an Egyptian beating up on some Hebrews. And though everybody else thought Moses was an Egyptian, he wasn't an Egyptian. He was born a Hebrew, but sent down the river and raised in a ro in royal palace by the Egyptians. So Moses knows this at this point. He's a Hebrew. He sees an Egyptian beating up on Hebrews. So what does Moses do? He kills the Egyptian. He protects his brother, self-defense, right thing, wrong way. Because then Moses ends up on the run. And because he did the right thing the wrong way, he ended up married to a woman whose dad's name was Jethro. And the way he got the staff was Jethro gave it to him. So when he looks at Moses and says, what's in your hand? Moses is looking at the staff and he's thinking, you don't even know how I got this. It's a reminder of his past. It's a reminder of him running making mistakes. But what I love about God is that God will take something in your hand that came from a mistake and use it to do a mighty miracle in the future. God will take something that you got in sin and has a way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and writing a brand new story. So I don't know what's in your hand, but if you're holding your past today, God's got it. It's in his hand. I'm gonna say it's in his hands. It's in his hands. So the first thing we gotta do if we're gonna do anything today is we gotta answer that question. In fact, in your notes right now, I would write down what has God given you that you have thought was small, but maybe God says it's significant. What's in your hand? Moses says, a staff. Now I want you to watch what he tells him to do. He says, I want you to throw it on the ground. Come on, grab a person, throw it on the ground. I'm just kidding. Touch a neighbor, say, throw it on the ground throw it on the ground. So what does Moses do? He throws it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Somebody say, throw it down. So God has given you something. Watch. And if you don't learn how to release it and let it go and throw it down, the thing in your hand that God gave to bless you will eventually end up cursing you because it'll control you. God's saying, Moses, I gave you that staff. You have no idea what I wanna do through that staff. You have no idea the potential that's in your hands, but the only way that that staff, that that thing, that that thing God gave you and put in your hand will ever accomplish its purpose is as long as you're willing to obey me and release what's in your hand, you will see me change that thing from season to season to season, but it will be the thing that I will use to deliver everybody else. But you gotta throw it down. Some of us are praying for deliverance when what we really need is discipline. I need you to deliver me. No, 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 no. You need discipline. God has been telling you to throw that thing down for so long and you think you're controlling it, but it's controlling you. Some of us are praying for God to do things that we can do. Can I just tell you, God will not do for you what you can do for you. He can, but he won't. He's telling you to throw it down. You don't need to pray about it anymore. Well, I'm just praying about if I need to throw my cigarettes down. Somebody said, throw them down. Wow, they're not good for you. Somebody said, this is for real. Somebody at the gym asked me a couple weeks ago, you know, pastor, I, um, I smoke cigarettes. Will I go to hell? You might smell like hell, but you ain't gonna go there. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Somebody said, throw it down. 
Don't, don't throw it in this auditorium floor. You can put it in the trash can on the way out in the name of Jesus, but throw it down. Some of y'all gotta throw it down. Y'all are holding on to things. You're, you're, you're letting things control you that God is clearly going, hey, listen, it can bless you, but you're, you're gonna have to trust me with it. I gave you those kids. But if you hold on to them too tight, you're going to be a helicopter parent and they're going to fly away. I'm not telling you to throw your baby on the ground, but I am saying you better trust God with it. Because it's not about what you have, it's how you handle it. Say, handle it. Say, handle it. See, he then tells Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his hand, took it by the tail, and the snake turned back into a staff. See, a lot of us are praying for more of something, but God is going, everything you need is in your hand. You just gotta learn how to handle it. God, I need more time. No, you don't. You don't need more time. You just need to know how to handle it. I need more money. Yeah, maybe. Or you can start learning how to handle your money now. Why would God give you more money when you don't handle what you have? Ooh. Why would God give you a new job if you can't handle the one you have? Why would God give you a new spouse if you can't handle the one you have? Uh-oh. <laughs> Why would God give you a spouse at all if you don't know how to handle singleness? Uh-oh is right. It's not about what you have, it's about how you handle it. So God gave you the kids and watch, they're his to save, but they're your to raise. God gave you the job, but he ain't gonna show up to work for you. I wanna lose weight. God's like, great, go to a gym. I will not lift my hand and do what you can do. So watch, God's hand can do anything, but God's hand won't do everything. God's hand can change anything in your life, but God will not stretch his hand to something he's called you to do. It's in your hands. And I think so often, we're going, God, I, I need you to deliver. I, I need you to save. I need you to show up. And God's going, man, the answer to your prayer, it's in your hands. Come on, find the neighbor, say, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. Everything you need is within your reach. But we have to learn how to handle it. So God can handle what you can't. But God will not handle what you won't. God is in control. There's nothing his hand can't do, but there are some things that his hand won't do. So God looks to Moses and he looks at you today and he says, I've given you everything you need to do, everything I've called you to do. It is in your hands, but you gotta know what's in your hands. This is why God says to Moses in verse 17, but take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. So verse 20, Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. Verse 15, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water, wait on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand, say your hand. 
your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Verse 16, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through it on dry ground. Verse five, the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Why does it seem so repetitive? Because every time the situation changed, the staff stayed the same. Because he already had what he needed in his hand. The same grace God gave you to save you will be the grace that God will use to sustain you in this season. The same staff he gave Moses in Exodus 4 is the exact same staff that he will have in Exodus chapter 17. See, a lot of times we're looking for the new thing and we're looking for God to give us something new and God's going, I've already given you what you need, but you haven't learned how to handle it. Say handle it. We gotta learn how to handle what God has already given, to steward what God has already given. to allow what's in our hands to be used by the dream in his. So answer the question, what's in your hand that you've considered small, but God said is significant? You gotta get out of your head. You're not your past. You're not your mistakes. You're not your insecurities. You're not your insufficiencies. You're not your inadequacy. You are who God said you are. And I know that you have a past, but God still has his hand on your life. And if he's got your, his hand on your life and there's breath in your lungs, he's not done using you yet. He says it's in your hands. All throughout Moses' life, he had what he needed in his hands. And there was only one time that he took what was in his hands and he used it for the wrong purpose. Somebody say, use it. It's not enough just to have it in your hand if you don't use it. It's not enough to have influence in your hands if you don't use it. It's not enough to have money in your hands if you don't know how to use it. It's not enough to just have some kids in your house if you don't know how to train them up and send them out. It's not enough just to have it in your possession. You have to use it, because how many of you know if you don't use it, you lose it? Come on, how many know this to be true? Just think back to your college days, you remember nothing. <laughs> Unless you used it. God's going, hey, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And if you don't use it the right way and you misuse it, the thing I gave to bless you will eventually burden you. See, there's one time in scripture where Moses doesn't use the thing God gave him to do the thing God actually told him to do. One time. And what happens in that moment is that he, stri he strikes a rock that God told him to speak to. And because he didn't use what was in his hand the right way, he got the wrong result. So God made the promise, God made the way, God gave him the vision, but he said, Moses, it's in your hands to go get it. And you gotta do with what I give you what I say to do with it. That's the whole point of this sermon, that whatever's in your hands, you gotta do what God told you to do with it, not what you want with it. So Moses, speak to the rock. What does Moses do? He strikes the rock. And because he struck the rock, he didn't get to enter the promise that God gave. He didn't get to see all of the people get set free 
because he misused what was in his hands. And so he says, God goes, let me tell you and remind you what I've given you and why I've given it to you. So hopefully by now, you know what's in your hands. You've got it. So then now let me tell you why you got it. Verse five, this, I'm gonna say this. I don't know what this is for you. For me, it's a microphone. For Moses, it's a staff. This, said the Lord, here's why, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. So here's the question. What's in your hand that God wants to use to change your world? Because that's why he gave it. He didn't give it to you to build your own kingdom. He gave it to you to build his kingdom. This is why Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So Jesus says, I've made a way. I went to the cross. I handled it. Death, hell, and the grave, I handled it. But now the family member you're praying for, it's in your hands. The, the, the coworker you want saved, it's in your hands. I'll do the saving, but if you never open up your hand and extend an invitation, how will they hear the gospel if nobody tells them? It's in your hands now. That baby's crying better than y'all are saying amen. And I think it's my own baby because my house is in the, my wife is in the house today. Y'all give it up for my wife and my little baby back there. He's shouting his dad down already. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Let's, let's close. Um, Kyle, where are you at? Come on out here, Kyle. Say, yo, Kyle. Yo, Kyle. I love how y'all did that. That's good. <laughs> Kyle, it's in your hands. <laughs> the spiritual moment right now, it's in your hands. Watch this. Oh, you feel that? <laughs> Come on, y'all give it up for our worship leader. <laughs> um, I, I hope you understand what I'm trying to get you to see because you can't do the saving, but God does expect you to do the reaching. See, he says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So therefore go and work at the harvest. So God is going, I got a vision. I got a vision for Gallatin High School. I got a vision for the youth ministry starting in September. I got a vision for Renovation Church in Gallatin. I got a vision for your family. I have a vision for your life. I have a vision for what's in your hand. But until you start to trust me and believe my hand is on your life and that I've given you what's in your hand to do what only you can do, it's never gonna become what it was supposed to be. It's in your hands now. How long are we gonna wait around for somebody else to show up and be like, well, I guess all I can do is pray about it. No, 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 no. Maybe the first thing you should do is show up at 6 a.m. and pray about it, but then you actually make the phone call because the phone call is in your hands. God gave you the phone, but he ain't making the call. God gave you the influence, but it's up to you with how you handle it. It's in your hands. Fathers, your family being in church, it's in your hands. 
your kids knowing Jesus, it's in your hands. Being a man and woman of God, it's in your hands. Stop making excuses on why you can't do the thing God made you to do because everything God gave you is in your hands, say your hands. So I just wanna pray that you would allow God to use what's in your hands. And if you would, and you're willing, just open them up right now. See at the front, you thought we were just talking about what was in God's hands, but God wanted you to really see what was in your own. And so let's pray this together. Say, God, it's in your hands. I trust you, I believe you, and I will do whatever you tell me to do. Now, every head bowed, eyes still closed. I wanna pray this prayer for somebody whose life has been in their own hands, and today you're placing it in his. So if that's you, I want you to pray this in church, declare this out loud for those who are putting their life in God's hands today. Say, today, my life is in your hands. I surrender my will and my way. Thank you for handling it on the cross. Thank you for handling it when you rose. I believe I'm forgiven, I am loved and I am a child of God. Today, my life is in your hands. If you just prayed that today for the first time, I would love for you on the count of three to just stretch your hand towards heaven. One, God loves you. Two, place your life into His hands. Three, just shoot your hand up and say, today my life is in your hands. Amen, 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 amen. Watching online, amen. In the overflow, God, I thank you for those who's got a hand lifted right now as a sign of surrender, that their life is in your hands. This moment is in their hands. Their future is in your hands. That guilt, that shame, that condemnation, it is in your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, for what you did for us, how you loved us and how you rose from the grave. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your name and it's in your hands. Everybody said, amen. Come on, why don't y'all make some noise for those who gave their life to Jesus today. So, 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 so hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on with it. What if they did believe if you asked them? Huh. What if they did find community if you asked them? What if they did find purpose if you would bring them to it? What if they did get to heaven because you asked? What if they did know God because you decided to use what was in your hands, not just to build your kingdom, but to build his church? What would happen if a church would grab hold of the calling of God and said, I'm gonna use what's in my hands. Come on, why don't we just sing right now that we're gonna build the church. We're not building our own kingdom. We're gonna build the house of God. Amen, somebody? Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.